in Galatians 5 gives us two opposites. It sets before us two different ways to live that are actually not just two alternatives. They are two opposites in ways to live. There's one or the other, and they are opposed to one another. We do not live at the same time in both ways. We are living one way, or we are living the other way. And we are urged to live one way. Before, we could only live the other way. But now we can live a new way. Now, just by way of review, last week, we, we talked about um, a, a, a higher ground that we were called to. And, and there were two, two sides to that to avoid, two sort of downhill slopes on either side of that higher ground. On one side, we wanted to avoid the path of a, of, um, to measure ourselves by one another. On the other side, we're, we're avoiding the path of slipping into doing whatever I want. By measuring ourselves against one another, by, by falling into the trap of performance, of acceptance by performance, what I do. Or the other side, well, what I do doesn't matter. I'll do whatever I want, slipping into doing whatever I want. Um, That same tension between those two was in a quote that I shared last week by A.W. Tozer. Now, I got a couple of comments from folks afterwards. They wished that I'd given that in writing or I'd put it on the screen, so I did both this morning. It is in your, it is in your sermon notes, and it's also on the screen behind us. Tozer said this, we may as well face it. And watch for the two sides of the coin here. We may as well face it. The whole level of spirituality among us is low. We have measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus in the things of the Spirit is all but gone. We want a higher level compared to another rather than the Spirit's ground. We have imitated, here's the other side, sliding down the other side of the slope, we have imitated the world, sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Lord and produced a cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Spirit. It seems like what Tozer is saying is that we have exchanged the Christian life for one version of Christianity or another or what we call Christianity, but it is not what the Christian life is supposed to be. The book of Galatians is about what the Christian life is supposed to be. And Paul has spent some time working at what it is not. And don't dare go back into the idea of acceptance by performance. I'm, I, God is pleased with me on the basis of what I do or have done for him. Don't go back there, but well, how then do I live? Does it matter? how I live? And the answer is yes, very much. We are called to live in a new way. We are called to live a better way. I've messed up the order of my slides. I'm going to tell Ryan, Ryan, jump ahead to a better way. We are called to live in a better way. And that's what we're going to be seeing this morning in Galatians chapter 5 and verses 16 to 26. Now, I want to pause and read through the passage. It's not a real long passage. So I'd, I'd like to read the passage first, and then we'll go back and we'll, we'll, we'll break it down and we'll talk about it piece by piece. But let's read Galatians 5 verses 16 to 26. If you're using one of the pew Bibles in front of you this morning, you'll find us on page 826. Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 
For the sinful nature or the flesh or fallen humanity desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, uh, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Well, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Let's pray. Father, speak to us from your word this morning. Lord, this passage is about hearing your voice and following you. No longer walking according to to the dictates of our own passions and desires, but instead, Lord, to be caught up in your passions, to be led along by your Spirit, to follow in your steps, to to enjoy the, the joy of your presence. Lord, speak to us this morning about what we must turn from, but especially what we must turn to. Lord, give us, Lord, that, Lord, that, that fearsome desire of hearing from you yourself by your Spirit in your word this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. He, he begins with a challenge. He says, so then... So then there's two ways to live. There's the higher ground versus these others, either side, legalism or, 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 or lawlessness. There's a higher ground. He says, then, then live that way. Live by the Spirit. And by the way, if you live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nation, what's he saying there? You want to win against sin? Didn't realize till just now that that rhymed. But do you want to? I presume that you do although there was a somewhat unenthusiastic response. I, I, I feel the tension, folks. I want to win. And yet that's a daily battle. It's a daily temptation, isn't it? And, and the, the way to win against sin is not, as I described last week, not to focus on those boundaries, but to press instead toward the center. If I'm pressing toward the center of God's upward call of God, of, of God in Christ by the Spirit, then I'm not going to be I'm not going to be looking to the boundaries. I'm not, I'm not then going to be bumping into the boundaries because I'm going in the other direction. The way Paul says to win this battle against that sin which still resides in us is instead, to, instead of trying to not do these things, instead live by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. There's a sharp sharp contrast between the two. This is the same thing that Paul sets up in Romans chapter 6 and 7 and 8. He says in chapter 6, because of the weakness of your flesh, because sin still dwells there, do this. 
present yourselves, yield yourselves to God following his spirit. If you're doing that, he says here, you will not be fulfilling the sin nature. You will not be fulfilling the desires of the flesh. In Romans chapter 7, he tells us that that sin is still present. We battle. We don't do the things we want to do. We do the things that we don't want to do. Who will, who will rescue me, deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then he moves into chapter 8, and what's the answer? To live by the Spirit, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Though there's, there's no condemnation. We are not in sin to the extent that we are living by the Spirit rather than living by the flesh. You know, the, I mentioned the sin is still there. An example I've given in the past was, was, a, was a missionary story about a headless snake still thrashing about in the, in the missionary's hut for, for a couple of hours, I guess. It was a big snake. Well, I was reading last week, there's a rattlesnake festival out in West Texas. They have all the fun in West Texas. And this rattlesnake festival, of course, you, 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 among other things, you chop the head off the snake, you hang it up, and then after you've hung the snake there for a while, you skin it, and there's boots and a belt. And you, that snake's good eating. They say it, they insist it doesn't taste like chicken. But chopping the head off the snake and hanging it up, this, this one, this one um, story was told, there was supposed to be video, but I couldn't find it, of this headless snake still striking out and, 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 and taking its, its neck, butting up into the person who was trying to hang it up in the air on this, on this string to drain. That though the snake was without its head, still it tried to strike. Now the analogy for me is that's sin within us. Sin within us seems to linger longer than that snake's strike. But it's the same. It has been defeated. Christ has crushed the serpent's head, and yet sin still lingers within us, still striking at us. We still feel its effect. The life of Christ is lived by the Spirit, not by our own ability. If I live by the Spirit, I'm not going to carry out the desires of the flesh. Living by the Spirit is that higher road. Living by the Spirit is that better way to live. Living out of the flesh, living out of my own resources, natural humanity, is living one side or the other, like we talked about last week. We want to live by the Spirit on the higher road, the better way. Because down either side... There is brush and weeds and stones to trip over and dark and dangerous ravines. So he contrasts the two. He said, well, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. They are clear, evident. We read through them earlier, so I'm not going to list them again. But let me give you a a paraphrase out of the message. Another way to consider this list of the works of the flesh. They are repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone else into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, I could go on. 
Eugene Peterson's The Message. Another has paraphrased it this way. Taking into account not only this sin, but Christ crucified for it. We all know what our fallen humanity looks like. These are all the things that were put upon Jesus on the cross. Our sexual sin and general immorality. Our lewd behavior in the pursuit of our own pleasure. Jesus bore my manipulations of spiritual power for my own advantage, whether it's through psychics or Ouija boards or even through selfish prayers. The loving Savior took my hostility toward others. He took my quarrels fueled by jealousy and their success and my envy of their stuff. His beatings and lashings were because of my temper temper and rage that strike out violently against those he loves. His humbling was because of my selfish ambition. My divisive advance of my own agenda, even exalting my own understanding over God's truth. That word for factions is also the word we get heresies from. My Jesus suffered the cross because I medicate myself with all kinds of indulgence and empty pleasures in pursuit of a fleeting happiness that always stays just out of reach. You know, it's interesting in that list. Uh, Most manuscripts also include murder right after envy. Some of your translations don't, and that's because some of the very earliest manuscripts don't include the word for murder. And what apparently happened is the word for murder only has one letter difference from the word envy. So in in the earliest copying, it looks like, one of the manuscript streams from the earliest copying that happened saw the two words side by side and thought it was the same word. The eye jumped over the second word and just kept copying along and ended up skipping the word murder. Only one letter difference, the Greek Greek letter, letter theta. Now, the interesting thing about that for me is we think in our minds, boy, there's a long way between... Envy to murder. But there really isn't. It's really, they're, they're, they're nearest neighbors. They're one letter away. We have, these, we have these, easy, these, these big distinctions and categories of one kind of sin or another. And yet, these again are all lumped together. Some of the more obvious ones on each outside and some of the more tamer, domesticated sins like ambition and anger and jealousy and envy tucked away in the middle where we might not notice them. Do you find yourself in that list? We'd have to say yes. We find ourselves in that list. Somewhere in that list, I recognize myself. Kind of like a shadow sneaking up behind me. You know, I I think I've described this before. Like all teens, I grew up and my parents were weird. Teens have that experience. Your parents, I'm, I'm, I'm discovering that it, it's still true today. I, I'm a parent now and I'm weird. And I noticed some of the weird, quirky things my dad did. Now and again, I turn around and I find myself doing it. So where did that come from? In a similar way... That's okay, I watch my kids, and now and again, I try not to point it out because I don't want to scare them off it. I think it's cool. We're still there. In the same way, folks, this 
flesh that is described right here. These are the works of the flesh, and sometimes we, we turn around in our shadow and, we, and, and shocked and horror. Oh, what are you doing here? I thought I got rid of you. I thought I left you behind. Those are the works of the flesh. And we will try, and sometimes we will buckle down and try to weed that out, but it's like playing whack-a-mole. When you push it down over here, it pops up over there. And his answer instead is live by the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. To live by the Spirit, and you will not. Well, what does that look like then to live by the Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And these, you know, there's an interesting difference here as well. These living by the Spirit, these fruits of the Spirit, they are fruits, not works, first of all. These are not the things I need to remember to do instead of the things not to do. No, it's not like that at all. It's a change in character. It's a growth. It's, it's something that is produced within me by the life of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is different from the giftings of the Spirit. The giftings of the Spirit are, are diverse. One person has one gifting. Another person has another gifting within the body of Christ. We are all members of one body. We are not all the same members. There's supposed to be that unity of diversity. But the giftings of the Spirit, or, or, or rather the fruit of the Spirit, is different. The fruit of the Spirit is a, is a whole. It's, it's a unity, not individual. It's a symphony in our lives, not a smorgasbord. I have a little of that, but no, I don't do so well on the patience thing. But I do pretty good on this one over here. No, it's not a measure. It's, it's character that has grown and developed that looks more and more like our Savior. Somebody gave me a, um, a summary of these that, that originally comes from Donald Barnhouse. So I included that in your notes as well. Love is the key. Love seems to be the overarching that all the rest of these fall into. I hope this is helpful to you. Love or joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Patience is love enduring. Kindness is love touch. Goodness is love's character, a character that is grieved by evil. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgiveness, not asserting what I want. Self-control is love holding the reins. This is what I want. These are the things that you long for. These character produced in us. This is why you rejoice when the Spirit rejoices in you, and this is what you hunger for when you battle sin in you. Because we were made for something different, and the Spirit himself in us yearns jealously for us. And yet, these are not the things that we do. These are the opposite of what we do naturally on our own as fallen humanity. Who will deliver me? Romans 7 closes. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Verse 24 of Galatians 5 says, Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires, counting it as dead. Making our baptism real, our baptism was that we are buried with Christ in his death. I see myself there. I see what I do there, dead, worthy of death. And yet I'm raised to live in new life. 
Galatians 2 put it this way, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. This life which I now live, in this still fleshly body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, crucified in my place. We, like We now live by the Spirit. We're free to be like Lazarus. Jesus said to Lazarus when he raised him from the dead, he told those around him, loose him and let him go. Take off the grave clothes. Live new, live free. Since we live by the Spirit, being crucified with Christ, we live by the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, what does verse 25 say? Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, Older versions that I used to remember, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. And it seemed like the same kind of thing, but this keep in step actually gets to the meaning of the word better. So yay to a newer translation. If we live by the Spirit, then what should we do then? If I have new life in Christ, then I should keep in step with the Spirit who has given me life. This is the only alternative to continuing to live in the fallen flesh. There's no other way for you and I to find fulfillment. There's no other way for our joy to be full than if we are living, if we are walking, if we are yielding, if we are in step with how the Spirit is leading us. The plea is made to live a new way in light of who we now are. When we serve sin, we are living pre-Jesus. We are living pre-resurrection. We are living as if the Spirit had not yet come, as if Christ's cross did not make any difference. But it has. It has. And I don't say that to guilt trip you. I say it because we each need some reminding that there is a better way to live. There is a better way to live, a way keeping in step with the Spirit. We took a hike up Multnomah Falls yesterday. It was actually a very good day for it once you found a parking place. That took a while. They started the hike, and I continued the wait for the parking place. But we found a, hike, uh, a parking place. Now, Multnomah Falls is a great place to hike. They have a very good trail. They say it's a mile, it's more than that, but it's a good trail. It takes a very steep climb, and, and, and with lots of switchbacks back and forth, it makes that very, very steep climb. You gain about 700 feet. It, it makes that very accessible. The, 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 the path is even paved. It's an asphalt path as you go up those switchbacks one back. They even count the switchbacks for you. How cool is that? You know how far you haven't gotten yet. <laughs> but as you're going through the switchbacks, along the path, and the path is obvious, that's my point. Not unlike this trail here. The path is clear. The path is obvious, and yet there are signs. And the signs say, stay on the path. Now, why did they have to go and say that? You know, as soon as they go and say that, as soon as they put that sign there, then I say, oh, look. Oh, some people don't stay on the path. Oh, that looks like a, a shortcut if, we, if you go up that way. Right there where the sign says don't, where the sign says stay on the path, that's where I wanted to go off the path. And yet, you'll be, you'll be glad to know this morning, we stayed on the path. 
But why is the sign there? The sign there is because people go off the path. The sign is there also because if you go off the path, you might damage the landscape. You might also cause a, a slide, a rock slide or something that could damage, it could hurt yourself, you could hurt somebody else. It's important. Not only that, but there's poison oak. Or Sometimes I wonder if they just say that to scare you. But, but, but they say there's poison oak. I wouldn't know to recognize it, so that's, I just, I'm going to take their word on it then. And... and if you go off the path, that's what you might run into. Patience, goodness, faithfulness, love's endurance is stepped into by staying on the trail, walking on that path as you see it, as you understand it. Keep in step with the Spirit suggests another analogy. Years ago, I, 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 I wanted to share a video this morning about Memorial Day. I was in the service for about nine years, but Memorial Day is not my day. Veterans Day is my day. Memorial Day, I have to step back and say, that is not my day. That is the day to remember those who laid down their lives for others, whose sacrifice pictures something about Christ, who while we were yet sinners, not good men, but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a day worth remembering. But I was in the military. And when I joined the Air Force, we went to basic training. They said everybody had to. I went to basic training, and guess what they taught us? A new way to walk. All right, I thought I knew how to walk. But no, 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 they said, no, no, you don't know how to walk. They were very explicit on that, by the way. You do not know how to walk. We're going to teach you how to walk. We're going to teach you a new way to walk, okay? And so they got us together in a group. And really, at first, we were lined up, nothing more than an organized mob. You know, a group. Well, sure, we were all together in a confined space. But as we would move out and head in a certain direction, you know, people are all walking, but they're bobbing up and down, and they're bouncing this way and that way, and it's just a mess. And the sergeant, kindly and patiently, instructed us into a better way to walk. Rather than listening to our own voices, rather than each of us marching to the beats of our own drummers, he urged us, he asked us very kindly, couldn't we consider listening to his voice? Could we all put the left foot down when he said left? Would we all put the right foot down when he said right? Would we all keep in step with one voice? I was in the Air Force a while, it seemed like. It seemed like years, those few weeks, before we finally got it right. And when we got it right, we just moved along in this smooth flow of a flight, a squad together. None of us were worrying about when we should start or where we should stop or where we would turn. One voice would tell us when to go, when to pivot. Now, we didn't do it perfectly even then. They had, they had evaluators even at the final parade, and there they, would, there they would catch somebody whose arm swing wasn't right. I don't know how you can be out in step and out of arm swing. It's just weird, but, but, but we found ways to do that. Somebody who didn't pivot quite in the right place, somebody who got slipped out of step and had to, had to correct back in. So those things would happen. In fact, while we were learning along the way, one morning I locked my knees yeah, I woke up down there saying, how did I ever get here? 
But along the way, we learned how to walk together. We learned how to walk in step with one voice. And when we did, we now looked like the uniform that we had already put on so many weeks earlier. You see, that's what's going on in a church. We are learning together to not listen to our own voices, but to hear one voice and for us together to then keep in step with his spirit. But how do I do that? How do I hear the voice of the spirit? This is the practical part. This is where, okay, well, what does that look like though? I get the picture. I get the image. I don't want to serve the flesh. I want to follow the spirit. But how do I, frankly, how do I know that I'm hearing the spirit's voice and not my own presumption? How do I know when it's the spirit's command rather than my own bright idea? Because my bright ideas will be messed up. My bright ideas will somehow skew back into that flesh that we already talked about. If I want to live and listen to the Spirit's voice, how am I going to know that it's His voice? As I mentioned last week, and I say that because it's worth repeating, if you want to know the Spirit's voice, then listen to what you know for sure He's already said. When we know His voice... Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And the shepherd, the sheep would, were, were in tune to the voice of their own shepherd versus the other shepherds. We are learning how to do that more clearly, more in tune with his voice in the midst of all the other rabble, of all the other voices, the cacophony of voices that pull at us, not to mention the ones of my own in my own head. How do I know It's the Spirit's voice. Compare it like a bank teller who doesn't study all kinds of counterfeit techniques, but the bank teller gets real familiar with good money, real money. And then the false, the fake, the counterfeit just doesn't feel right. If I want to know, is this the Spirit saying this? I compare it to this inspired word of God, this God breathed. You say, oh, but it's a long time ago and it's not really specific. It's not telling me exactly what I'm supposed to do with this money. Well, if you're worried about what you're supposed to do with your money, see me after, I'll, I'll help you. No, I'm not, it's not telling me what I'm supposed to do as far as this move or this job or this house or this girl. You, we'll talk about the girl too, Okay. We'll, we'll move that conversation ahead of the money. God's word isn't going to necessarily speak to the specifics, but there, there are going to be clear principles that you're going to get a sense, not unlike the fruit of the Spirit, you're going to get a sense of the Spirit's character. Just as the fruit of the Spirit was character that was produced, and if those character were ripe and full in us, Then in the words of John MacArthur, walk by the Spirit and do whatever you please. If those fruits are produced and well matured within us, our desires are going to be his desires. That's a whole new take on he will give you the desires of your hearts. He will give you his desire within your heart. And as you walk with him, as the fruit of the spirit of our character is matured, my desires will be more and more and more his desires. But along the way, then till now, I'll know more about God's character, about God's nature from this book. 
I'll hear the Spirit's voice here. That will help me discern the, Spirit, the, the Spirit's voice in here. The fact that we don't really know what it means to be led by the Spirit, clearly we're, we're fuzzy on that. that. That in itself is telling. That is a problem for us. Now, it may be that the way James Forbes puts it, I'm a little spirit shy. I'm a little hesitant to just jump on the bandwagon of the Spirit told me this because I've seen that abused. I mean, that's the, that's the I, I've seen that misused. I know what the, what the Bible says about clear things, but this or that, when somebody says, well, you know, I know the Bible says this, but I, I prayed about it and I feel okay. Well, I'm glad that you prayed about it. I'm sorry that you feel okay if what you feel okay about still contradicts that which you know about the nature and character of God over here. And yet, We've heard the trump card laid down. But God told me. How do you argue with that? I mean, I'm not God or anything. If God told you, what can I say? That's f- it, but, but, but we've gotten suspicious along the way when what God told somebody didn't line up with what we've seen clearly. It didn't seem to match. How will I distinguish the Spirit's voice from those impressions? It may be different, in specifics, but it will line up in principle. It will line up in character. Let me give you an example. Last Sunday evening in our growth group, I asked the others to pray. I'd been reading ahead in Galatians. It was troubling me. And I asked the others to pray, tomorrow, tomorrow, pray that I will, I will clearly hear from the Spirit concerning something I should do, relating to somebody around me, and that I will do it. I batted 500 on Monday. Early in the morning, not long after our men's group met together, early in the morning I I, I had a chance to, to meet up with somebody. And there in the midst of everybody else, in the midst of some people that they were with that I didn't even know who these people are, still as we're talking and catching up, the Spirit says, pray. Right? Pray. And so I normally, I, I might say, not wanting to put them on the spot, would it be okay if I, if I pray for you through the day or in this, in, in this week? The Spirit said, pray, here, now. And I did, and, was, and, and, and that was just the right thing. That was the encouraging. That, that was spiritually nurture, nurturing and strengthening for both of us. Later on in the day, here at the office, came home, Oh, I've worked very hard. And so I'm sitting on the couch. I'm reading the news. Well, Julie also worked on Monday. And she came home. And she's busy running about. You know, she's doing the, she's doing the Martha thing. She's busy about many things. And I'm not really doing the Mary thing because I'm not sitting at Jesus' feet. I'm sitting at Fox News. And, and the Spirit says to me, Oh, I'm, I'm even willing to be vaguely charismatic here. I'm pretty sure the Spirit is leading me, saying, help her. And I didn't. Did I? I didn't. I sat there on the couch. Well, maybe after a while I picked up, but I didn't. I didn't get up when the Spirit said move. I kept my bum right there. And it's as simple as that, really. The Spirit will nudge us in ways that are His character. One of the things that we will recognize His character... Well, I said he will, he will, 
It'll be an agreement of principle and character that, that the Spirit may lead you against common sense. He may very well lead you against your own comfort. That's not typically the leading of the flesh, you see? Another measure we could throw in there, does it sound like the Spirit and does it not sound like my flesh and what I read about my flesh here in God's Word? This is not self-serving. This gives of my comfort. Ah, that might be the Spirit. This sacrifices something of me for somebody else. That might be of the Spirit. Ways that we can recognize what's of the Spirit rather than me. According to Tozer, we could do well to err. If we're going to err one side or the other, we would do well to err on the side of Spirit bold rather than Spirit shy. Don't quench the Spirit as he speaks and as he leads. Don't grieve the Spirit by following your own prerogative's voice, but be careful how you judge the Spirit's call on another. There's that last line there, verse 26. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying one another. Do we condemn or do we encourage? We, are, are we seeking to bring somebody else down a notch closer to us, or are we seeking to lift them up and help them walk? More to be said on that next week, but it, but it links us into chapter 6. But it also links in, in this way. Keeping in step with the Spirit will always bring us together spiritually. The gospel and the Spirit lead us to reconciliation and restoration. But that's, as I said, for next week. It leaves us with three questions today. Three questions today. First of all, do I belong Christ. If you live by the Spirit, then keep in step with the Spirit. Do I, live, do I have life by the Spirit? Have I been born by the Spirit? Have I been crucified with Christ and now long to live? Have I seen my sin crucified on my Savior who died in my place? Do I belong to Christ? Question number one. That is received simply by faith. And that will be my refuge. I will return there daily. When I lock my knees and fall on my face, I will return there again for cleansing, for forgiveness, and for restoration. Do I belong to Christ? If I belong to Christ, then am I in step with the Spirit? Am I hearing His voice? Am I responding to it or am I ignoring it? Am I pushing it down saying, not right now? What is the Spirit telling me to do? What is the Spirit provoking within you? What is the Spirit saying? Go to this person. Help there. Do this. How am I walking with others? Is there some restoration needed? Is there some reconciliation needed? Is there coming together needed? Who is the Spirit directing me to? I want us to have... Well, first of all, I want us to pray. Let's pause right here. Father, we have said, we have read, Lord, that your spirit will lead us and we can then keep in step with him as he produces his fruit within us. Lord, we want to experience that even this morning. Lord, maybe even around these three questions or some others, but Lord, we want to experience that even this morning. Lord, would you lead us there now? In Jesus' name, amen.
I want us to consider in these next few minutes. We didn't have the welcome greeting time earlier.